0: All right. Welcome, everyone. Happy Wednesday. My name is Meg. I am part of the Power to Fly chat and learn virtual hosting team. I am super excited to be, um, you know, coming to you all today to host today's amazing event um, with Lisa from Zapier. Um, As we get started, I do just want to call out a couple quick housekeeping items for y'all. If you've joined us for a previous event, this will be kind of old hat to you. I apologize, but we will try and, you know, kind of buzz through these so we can Um, get right to the meat and potatoes of of today's event. So first things first, um, today's session is all about you. It's all about our participants and we want to make sure that the time that you spend with Power to Fly is is time that you enjoy, that you learn, you have fun. Um, So to that end, we want to make today's uh, session as as uh, interactive and participatory as possible. So we really encourage you to turn your cameras on so we can see, you know, your smiling maskless faces safely. Um, no need to be insta-perfect. Uh, you know, messy buns, um, uh, furry coworkers, um, you know, um, unconventional workspaces—all of that is welcome. Um, we are really excited to have y'all here. We also are going to um, encourage you to participate by coming off mute to ask questions or comment on what you hear from our speaker. Um, if you do come off mute, whether your camera is on or off, if you do come off mute, you will show up in the live recording and the live stream of today's session. If you have any kind of privacy concerns, not a problem. Just don't come off mute. Um, You can still participate, however. Just put your questions or comments into the Zoom group chat. And if you are in super black ops, deep cover, don't want anyone to know you're here, um, not a problem. You can still participate. Just put your questions or comments into the Zoom chat and then use that drop down Instead of sending it to everyone, you're just going to send it to me, Meg-Powerfly. I'll raise your questions. I'll keep you anonymous. And that you know, doesn't matter what your reasoning is, I, we will try and get to every question that is submitted today. So then um, with that being said, I do just want to call back today to what I said previously. This is being recorded. So um, anybody who registered for today's event, whether you come and join us for five minutes, you stay for the full 60, or if you registered but were not able to make today's event for whatever reason, hi to future watchers. Um, you will be sent everybody that registers will get an email in one to two business days with a link to rewatch this recording. So because of that, um, what we can, you know, you can, you can share that with, you know, coworkers, friends, you know, if Lisa says something today that you're just like, this is amazing. I have to send it to fill in the blank. Um, you can share that link with them. It's always free to watch our videos. If you are in too much of a rush to wait for, you know, the one to two days to get that rewatch email. Not a problem. You can check over, um, click over to our, our YouTube channel. On YouTube, we are at Powerfly um, and the video will be posted there usually within a couple minutes of, of us ending the live stream today. Um, I also highly recommend that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's a great way to make sure that you stay up to date about events like this. You don't ever watch a, or miss a chance to watch or rewatch these sessions. Um, and it's also where you can search uh, a lot of our videos from our vi- like chat, you know, prior chat and learn sessions. Um, recordings from our our mega and mini summits are stored there, interviews with um, recruiters and and talent and um, employees from various companies. It's just a really great resource. And you can find all of those videos and more on our website in our our video archives. I'll share links to all of this here in just a little bit. Um, But absolutely, feel free to check that out. You can also keep up with us on social and other ways. You can check us out. We are at Power to Fly on, like I said, YouTube, also LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So definitely check us out there. It's a great way to to stay up to date and find out about even more awesome events as well as resources that you can take advantage of. And we hope you do. Um,
1: Last but not least,
0: before I introduce today's speaker, I just wanna call out that if you do come off mute to participate in today's discussion, thank you. It makes these events far more fun and entertaining. But um, if you do come off mute, Couple things, make sure that you are trying not to interrupt um, another attendee or our guest speaker as she's she's addressing us. I tend to get long-winded, so please feel free to interrupt me. Um, But a word to the wise, if you have any kind of like background noises going on, like I have bulldogs snoring under my desk right now, I will be going on mute when I am not actively speaking. And we ask that all of you do as well. Um, There can be stuff in the background that you don't even notice that might kind of mess with the audio. So just make sure that if you're not actively asking a question or you know, posing a comment, make sure that you're still on mute. If I have somebody that's like, you know got some background stuff, I'll mute you. But don't worry, I'm not going to mute you in the middle of you talking or anything. And it's not a rebuke. You can always participate. Just make sure that you are, you are unmuted when you're speaking and not when you're not. Um, so to get us going here, I want to introduce you to our amazing speaker. Um, Lisa is an engineering manager at Zapier and a director for women who code. She lives near Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband and their five children. Wow, obviously you must be very busy. Um, She is passionate about inclusion and diversity and has spoken to groups large and small about recruiting and retention. Outside of work, she enjoys cooking, video games, desk dancing. If that's what I think it is, then I also love desk dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, And There's also uh, information where you can connect with her on Twitter and LinkedIn. So Lisa, um, first off, what is desk dancing? And second, is there anything else you'd like to add to that
1: introduction? Um, I'm pretty sure you feel me when I say desk dancing. It was from when I was an actively developing engineer. The minute you hit some successful code, you know, you do a little desk dance to like, you know, reinforce that that's the thing that you wanted to have happen. So, and I I typically listen to sort of up-tempo either EDM or house music while I'm writing code because it doesn't have lyrics, but it has a good energy to keep me um, upbeat and moving around. So there's a tendency to just dance randomly all the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, excellent. That is absolutely exactly what I was thinking. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, okay, so um, like I said, I'm going to drop a couple links here in the chat. Um, for how y'all can connect and learn some more about Zapier. But one thing I did want to talk about before we, we keep going, is that you can connect with Zapier and learn more about them on their Powerfly page. So I'm going to, like I said, I'll throw a link here in the chat in just a second. But what you're going to do is when you, when you click the link I'm going to send you, it's going to take you to, um, to Zapier's uh, page on Power to Fly. Now, it's going to look like much, much like what you see on the screen right now. And at the top of the screen on the right hand side is going to be a big pink follow button. So it's going to be super important to make sure that i um, um, sorry, Zapier, my bad, my bad. I-, I wrote down the pronunciation and I-, I didn't refer to my notes. So thank you. Um, so um, we are going to, um, like I said, I'll-, I'll send that link in the company or in the chat here so you can check out Zapier's company page. And what that's gonna do is where, it's where you can go to learn more about the company. You can check out what events they have coming up, like today, if they um, take part in, um, you know, our our virtual career fairs or any of our upcoming summits, both mini and mega. Um, It's a great way to make sure that you stay, uh, you know, kind of up to date on all those kinds of things, but it's also where you can check out their open roles. Um, So it's really a great place to like kind of, you know, get to know the Zapier company uh, or Zapier company. So the other thing I really encourage you to do is like that big pink follow button that's there, make sure you tick that um, if you are at all interested in working with Zapier. Um, it's it's a, it kind of works two ways. It sort of works as your friend at the company in that it puts you on Zapier's follow network. So it tells them that you are interested in working with them, which is especially key if you take a look at those open roles and there's nothing that really suits you right now, but you're still interested in the company. It tells them that you're interested without you having to fill out an application. Um, But it also works like your friend at the company in that it pings you when they post new roles. So if you know, it's kind of like, hey, like you know they posted this role, maybe you should check this out. It's a really great way to stay up to date on these things without feeling like you have to keep going back to the same job boards where it seems like maybe nothing really feels like it ever changes or maybe you missed it, you, you, know, you, you don't check it for a week and then all of a sudden there's like 18 new jobs. So just please feel free to do that. You can follow and as many companies as you want to on Powerfly and you can follow and unfollow at will. It's, you know, it's entirely up to you. But if you are interested in Zapier, definitely make sure you click that follow button so that you can be on their follow network. Um, I wanna go here, I'm gonna rest here for about two two or three seconds per slide. So if you want to take a screen grab here, please feel free. But you know, our Mark Type A joiners feel like they like to do this because it'll give you an idea of some of the questions we're gonna try and cover in today's session. Um, Like I said, it is recorded. You will get a link to the recording. So don't feel like you have to take notes. Let me go to the next slide here. But some people like kind of like to have that overview. Um, if you have a question that's not on here, like if you submitted one and we don't get to it, um, or if you're just you know, worried that we won't get to your question in time um, you know, before today's session ends, please, please, please do not hesitate to either come off mute and ask or to put your question into the Zoom chat. Um, you all took time out of your day to spend with us, so we want to make sure that you get you know, like prime treatment and, and first crack at directing how this conversation goes. So we want to make sure that we are, you know, providing you with information that is useful to you that you'd really love to know um, from Lisa. So as we get started here, again, I'll put more links in the chat and more encouragements, but please feel free to jump in and participate where you would like. So Lisa, to get us started, um, how did you manage to stay relevant? Uh, This person said they would love to know more about your journey.
1: Well, I um, am from a, uh, I have a nonlinear career path. So um, I think that is a, I consider that to be a feature, not a bug. Um, it's given me lots of different perspectives and lots of different experiences that I could bring um, into staying relevant. And I think that's kind of key to have experienced all types of things. That's definitely a thing that makes you very resilient. So um, I was a librarian. I was a librarian. I was the web, the the online coordinator for the alumni association at UNC. I was a librarian again. I fixed computers for wealthy folks who lived on Hilton Head Island for a time. Uh, I was an overnight news inserter. I was the online coordinator for a newspaper. I was uh, an online—I uh, mean—a a, a tech consultant for the Beaufort County Schools in South Carolina. I, was, uh, I worked on a, an ill-fated government contract for a time. I was the webmaster at a hospital, a local hospital here. Uh, I was a full-stack PHP developer, uh, composing bespoke content management systems for an agency for a number of years. Uh, and I did very similar work for a separate agency, but uh, we, we used fewer homegrown systems. Uh, then I worked for a large uh, e-commerce uh, print-on-demand company, and then I worked for a fintech company as my first engineering management job, and then I landed at Zapier. So I've had roughly a million jobs, uh, and they—they uh, they all the, I take, took something from every job to leverage into the next job, even if it was, I never, ever want to do this again, and that's a, that's a key fact, too.
0: I think that's a great thing to, to kind of highlight because like I, I have a very similar career arc in that it's not it, it sort of looks like those those cartoons from Family Circus and mm-hmm. I'm really myself with this reference but like where Billy kind of ran all over the screen um it or all over the, the you know the um I don't know, the comic strip like it's I, I've also had a really weird career trajectory and so it's really helpful to know that like a other people have done this too but also yes. like he is taking things away from those experiences and learning more. And like you said, even if it's like, I don't like this job and here's why, or the, you know I would prefer to have this kind of role as opposed to a role that focuses on this area. Um, yeah, it's really important to, to kind of, not just see it as a success or failure, but see like, you know what did you learn from it? What, what can you take away to do differently? Um, okay, so moving on to our next question here. Um, this person wanted to know how were you able to succeed and advance your career while balancing it with motherhood?
1: Um, I mean, how, how, how do any of us balance literally anything with motherhood? Those of us who have chosen motherhood know that like there's just, um, you know, it, it's a full-time demanding job that we love, but there's no days off on that one. So, you know, you're, you're always balancing, right? So it's very much the same way, but I, um, I had gotten my first online job I was in it for about three years before I had my oldest daughter, um, and that, uh, that was with the Alumni Association, and at the time, they were unwilling to consider remote work, and it's, it's been, a, I won't tell you how long, but it's been a while, and so I understood that, so I, I separated from them, and then I just sort of, I, I was a trailing spouse for a while. Um, the father of my children is a golf course superintendent, so we kind of moved various places, That's why we were down in Hilton Head. So we moved around and wherever we were, I found some way to, to do the things that I wanted to do professionally. So like I said, I fixed computers. I got this overnight news inserter job that was fairly ridiculous. Basically, I would go in after the newspaper had been um, sent to press, get the PDFs for, uh, that had been sent to the press and chop them up into tiny individual little JPEGs and make an online version of the newspaper which was hilarious. And heart, many of my coworkers didn't know that they were my coworkers because I would show up around 11 PM and, and scoot out. And that was the thing I could do when my kids were small. Um, and then uh, a bunch of people left. And all of a sudden I was in charge of the whole online department. <laughs> so that just that was just luck. I was just there. Um, and, and I've been fortunate that um, I've, I've had either um, friend situations or school situations or co-parenting situations where my kids were—they uh, didn't spend a lot of time in uh, daycare-type situations. They went to preschool, but that was about it. Balance it like you balance everything. You make choices. Um, my children always come first. That's that's the thing, you know. And now I have now I have five. Uh, so like we have lots of lots of balancing and juggling, but it's really—I don't want to say it's easy, uh, but I don't want to say that it's like insurmountable either. Looking for places that are um, family-friendly and have work-life balance are great buzzwords, but they, they absolutely have an impact. So to me, work-life balance doesn't necessarily mean the number of hours that I work, but it means that if I take time away from work, my team has my back, that I can, I can leave and do the thing that I need to do offline without feeling like, oh, I need to check in with work. That's super important to me, and it's a it's a um, a value that I manifest on my team currently, and that's it's really important. And then looking at places, it's it's you can tell there's some questions you can ask to see if a place is uh, family friendly. Um, and it's it it doesn't necessarily have to be like, are you family friendly? You know, you can look and see like what their what their health coverage is like. How many weeks do you get for parental leave, regardless of what your situation is. Those are the kinds of things that will give you some kind of indicator whether or not it's brochure wear or actual policy. At, at Zapier, we have a very generous parental leave policy um, for all involved. Uh, it also covers uh, adoption, surrogacy, all the, the ways that uh, a child can come into your life. You can take parental leave for um, and. Sorry, my puppy dog friend has decided to comment on that too. Um, so it, it's, those are the kinds of things you can examine to see whether or not a place is gonna be amenable to, to balancing your life and work.
0: I love that idea of like asking, you know, kind of asking the questions about very specific things. Um, my, my puppy dog is gonna comment now. So apologies guys, um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good thing to keep in mind. So sorry. Um, is that when you are are kind of looking at at prospective companies? Um, you know, you are interviewing them just as yes. much as they're interviewing yes. you. Yes, And, and that
1: that yeah. that is absolutely a key thing to remember. Um, the process should allow you to know as much as you feel comfortable to, to make your decision. You need to know about them. Remember that they're they're essentially, uh, you know they're auditioning for you, right? Like while you feel like the, the job interview is you having to prove yourself, and in some part it is, but you've made it through a process. By the time you've made it to the interview stage, ask all the questions, ask pointy questions. And if you don't get the answers you want, that's not a place you wanna work. And if you get pushback, that's not a place you wanna work. And if you get nonsense, that's not a place you wanna work. Just the act of asking the questions can give you a lot of signal. Um, and tell you whether or not that's a place that you want to be associated with. Yeah,
0: for sure. And thank you for calling it, like, like kind of ask pointy questions, because you're right, like, like asking about concrete, like, you know, how do you support your parents? Is there an ERG? Is there, you know, what kind of, of, uh, you know, um, like, like you said, like, you gave some really great examples. So I'm not going to try and re, like, uh, you know, reinvent (laughs) the wheel there. But, um, you know, this is the time where, you're not expected to know, especially in this case. You're not expected to know anything about how they they how these in, internal processes and, and and protocols work. So if you get an answer that's a little bit mushy or or kind of unclear, it's quite all right to say like I'm sorry, I don't I'm not really clear on that. Can we go over this? Um, oh yeah, sorry. Um, Joanne's asking what's an ERG, and Roz, thank you so much, is answering. It's an employee resource group. Sometimes they they call them different things, like um, but it's like you know like a a, a group that Comprises, you know, a specific, um, a specific contingent within that employee, like employee base. So there might be one, yeah, affinity groups. Thank you, Roz. Um, it might be known, you know, there might be one for like for for black uh, um, employees. There might be one for LGBTQIA employees. There might be one for, um, like you said, like working parents. There's a lot that can be um, that can kind of encompass that. Um, so anyway, yeah, like the ask the pointed questions, like tr- get a real answer. Cause if, if you're not, these are the kinds of things you can't find out generally from Googling. Um, you know, you're in the place where you should yeah. have these answers. And if you don't get the right answers or the way the answers are delivered, as Lisa said it's very important to know.
1: Um, um, uh, I, yeah. I, and when you're asking that ERG question some tech companies have decided that the way they're gonna fix their diversity issues is to have ERGs handle it. So ask, what is the function of the ERG? How do they support employees? Are they expected to do the emotional labor of bringing the rest of the staff along with them? Or is it truly a support system for underrepresented groups? Because the the emotional labor of, of helping your colleagues achieve a more balanced perspective on diversity and all the aspects that that includes, um, it should not be on the shoulders of the people who are in those underrepresented groups. And too frequently that happens. So ask some questions about like what their charter and their purposes and can you see like what some of the things that they do are, not just do they exist, or you can follow up after you find out if they exist, because um, it's important to know how the company perceives them as a unit.
0: Yeah. And ask for, you know, ask for contact information. Hey, I'm interested yes. in learning more. Can you connect yes. me with somebody at the that way you're not taking all this time up in your yes like in your, your interview, but also, um, you're not how transparent the company is with having you talk to employees, like current employees while you're, you're interviewing hugely important says a ton about that company. Um, but yeah, that way you can ask, like, is what is their function? Is it to, like you said, do that emotional labor on the, you know, to kind of educate and like, um, improve the culture at work for other people, like for that group, or Mm -hmm. is it really a way to get support for those people to get support that they need from the company? Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So this next person um, had asked, what's the best way to upskill ourselves? Where should we really be
1: paying attention? Um, I understand completely where this question is coming from because the tech landscape is vast and and you can't wrap your arms around it. I was fortunate to start working in tech when you could and I just kept learning, but that's the key right there. So find a thing that interests you, find a thing that you think is fun and and look at that because the more you enjoy a thing, the more you're excited about it, the more you're going to give it time, the more you're going to it's going to occupy your brain space in a productive way. And you don't have to know everything. Also, remember that Whatever you know, even if you are an expert in your field, you are going to have to learn how to do it at that new place. So no one, even if they're looking for three to five years of experience or five to 10 years of experience in a thing, that person, even if they come in the door with five to 10 years of experience is not going to be effective on day one. No one is. It's going to take you between three and six months to become effective at your job. And you're going to learn all the things you need to do at that job. Say you know how to use Git really, really well. Well, you don't know how that company manages their deployment pipeline. So you're going to have to learn how they do it. You're going to have to learn maybe Travis or Circle CI or something that you've never used before. There is going to be new stuff that you have to learn no matter what your expertise level is. So don't be afraid to say you don't know a thing. But if there's a thing that you're interested in, if there's a thing you're playing with on the weekends, if you get involved in open source projects, if you volunteer for a local group that doesn't have a website and build them a website, or if you volunteer, we have uh, local, um, uh, the, the, uh, trying to remember what it is code for, code, code for America chapters that do like regional projects and they have hackathons that anybody can participate in regardless of your level of involvement in the actual tech that they're building. They need people from all different um, perspectives to be able to balance out those teams. So see what you can do locally and see what you can do like nearby you that's accessible and easy and frictionless and lean into that because there's gonna be somebody who's looking for whatever that is out there on the market.
0: Yeah, and actually, I want to call out, we did have a question that um, Sangeeta put in the chat here that I think is important to call out, Um, you know, what about organizations where there is no scope Mm -hmm. or or, or there are no um, affinity groups? And I think that's a point where, you know, asking the question is good, getting the answer is better, but it also leaves the door open to ask, like, well, can you explain to me why there aren't any, like, you know, are these things that are in progress, are is this just not really a focus for your organization um, you know, knowing the why behind it is important. But if like, you know, like Lisa said, if they're first, if, they're, if, if the answer of we don't have one yet, but you're welcome to start one, like that's, it's important to kind of clarify whether that is like, you know, like an, a, an additional emotional load that they're going to put on you that obviously you would not be compensated for, or more obviously, it's like, it's unlikely they would, you know, offer to compensate you for something. Um, or if it's something that know, the, the need, they're like in process of developing it, or they would love to have someone started and you could talk about like the, the, the focus of the group and would, you know, could, could we work that into my compensation package, that kind of thing. All right. Um, okay, so to, uh, sorry, did we, did you um, want to cover anything more on this
1: topic? I, feel, I, I, I think that's what I said. I think all the things that I know to say there.
0: <laughs> I think so too. I just Thank want you. to make sure, you know, kind of jumping back and forth. We're not, yep. I'm not running you off your,
1: your track of thought Appreciate there. Appreciate that.
0: Um, okay. So I found this um, this question pretty interesting. This person had asked, how do you convince an employer that being older with diverse experience and years of relevant skills are actually an advantage in the workplace? Um, I feel like this this becomes more of an issue When you are either going, you know, applying for jobs with you know a lot of ignorant young whippersnappers, for lack of a better phrase, um, or if you're applying for roles that you think suit where you want your career journey to take you, but you get things like, well, you're overqualified or something like that. How how would you address this question?
1: So there's there's a couple of things to unpack here, and and I think it's important to recognize that um, you make the decision about how you want to characterize your journey, right? So like you, you're telling your own story. So you get to decide how that is. If you feel like you're having to spend too much time convincing somebody that you're valuable to them, you might not want to hang out with them. And that's super easy for me to say, I have a great job. It's not great when you're looking for ones. And I know that's kind of uncomfortable, but also- I put myself in a position where I'm like, I can do anything for a fixed amount of time. And then I ended up miserable. So like, don't put yourself in a place where you feel like you're going to be undervalued or marginalized. Um, I was in a place where I was called office mom. So I got pigeonholed in that. And that was not a great place to be because I was the only woman engineer on the team. And everybody saw me as their mom, which did not uh, advance my career very much. And I stayed there far too long because it felt like family. So be, be cautious about that. But what you can say, if you're looking to talk somebody into it, is that um, tech is cyclical. Everything comes back around again. We've experienced all of the things in some shape before. So somebody who's been in tech a long time is like, you might want to hold off on adopting that brand new framework for just a bit. Because the JavaScript adoption and abandonment framework chart Looks like the Himalayas, every two years, there's something cool coming out, right? So I once got a job by saying, do you really want somebody who only knows React? Or do you want somebody with a proven track record of language acquisition over time? Because in two years when React is not a thing anymore or it's changed so much that it doesn't look like it does today, do you want somebody who only knows that? And the answer is probably no, but they haven't looked at it from that angle. They're looking for, that. all job position announcements are looking to solve a problem And you're the answer to that problem. So like sometimes they have phrased the problem poorly or they're thinking about the problem in one dimension and they haven't really considered all the aspects of what they really need to do. And you're there to help them clarify their decision-making. You're not going to convince anybody of anything they don't already believe. So if they're inclined to not see people of a certain age as an asset, you're probably not going to be able to convince them of that. And you're going to take your experience to somebody who does value it. And that's fine. At this stage, don't be afraid to say like, I feel like maybe this is not the right match because that's really what it comes down to. Just like you're, you know, you're in during the interview process, you're learning about them. You're also seeing if you feel comfortable there. If you feel like you could be part of it, like we're, (laughs) because we have so many humans in our house, we are looking for a bigger house right now. And you kind of have to picture yourself in that house briefly to to see if it feels right. Same thing for a job. Can you see yourself working there? Do you look at the pictures on the website of all of their activities and say, yeah, that's totally a thing that, that speaks to me. If not, move on, because someone will value your experience, I promise.
0: Thank you for calling that out because I think you're right. That's it's one of those things that we don't really we don't really address in the job search early on because you know when, when you're learning how to search for a job you're probably pretty early, at early stages in your career. But yeah, it's it's really important to to understand that yeah that like it's it they shouldn't discount things like your your experience and your years of you know training in something or whatever because that's something that you can't just buy you can't fast track your way Absolutely. to having a ton of experience in something. Absolutely. So like, those are very, very valuable skills that you, you know, that's, that's something that puts you head and shoulders over, like you said, somebody that knows the, the next hot thing. Um, yeah, that's so, that's so great. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Um, I also want to call out, I'm going to put a link here in the chat in just a second. Um, we have a ton of past chats that have dealt with you know, ageism um, in the workforce. Um, there's a ton by Helen Sanchez, who's like my, one of my favorite hosts um, for our office hour sessions. So I'm gonna put a link in the chat where you can check out some of our our, um, our video archives on this topic, if, you're, if this is an area that really resonates with you. Um, okay, so this person had asked, how do I handle all my years of experience on my resume when I'm advised to only list 10 years of work experience? Or like, you um, know, maybe I- 10 years.
1: Absolutely. And I appreciate that. I don't feel like there's any hard and fast rules, right? So the thing that you can do, because every position announcement is a problem, tailor your resume to look like the solution. So if you have to cherry pick your experience, that's fine too. You can like list other jobs in between, or you can create a functional resume, which is a lot better for, people who've been in the workforce for a really long time. You don't have to list, listen, if I started listing all my jobs, there wouldn't be enough paper. It would be ridiculous. When you are applying for a job, if your resume is going through a parser and going into an online system, it's gonna take all those things out. You can always add a supplemental page to it. You can put it in as part of your cover letter. But when your resume is parsed into the system, a hiring manager or a recruiter or a screener is has maybe 30 to 60 seconds to get an initial impression. So you want to top load, you want to up put that stuff the stuff that's most relevant up high, work it either into your problem state, your um your, you know, overall statement if you use one of those at the top, put that stuff right up at the top. Think of it more like a billboard than a novel. You have a few minutes to convince somebody that you are worth stopping to look at and you know, not getting move through the process too quickly. So take the advice with a grain of salt, like you do any advice, tailor your resume to the job you're applying for. Try not to have, like you can have like a boilerplate standard CV that has all your stuff on it. Then pick and choose the things that are most relevant to the job that you want and list those things and highlight why those things are important to me. I want to hear the story of why I should talk to you more. Tell me why you were perfect for this job, and I will listen. Toss in a link to your GitHub repo with no context, and I'm going to move on. I'm not going to spend time pouring through your repo unless I've already seen something that interests me. If you put a repo link on there, tell me why. Why do I care about this repo? I learned something from this project. I used this technology. I you know, built something I never thought I could. I used this to solve a problem <clears throat> for some other place. I you know, increased ROI, all sorts of things you can tell me, contextualize that, give me an example. tell me a story. Those things are important to me. And you can tell your story of many years of experience concisely too. Like I had five jobs where I did this specific thing and I was able to, to bring this much value to the company. You don't have to list the jobs out individually. You can put that in a functional resume. Tailor it to the job and, and see if there's something from 10 years ago that's relevant and important, include it. If there's something from 10 years ago that doesn't matter, like I don't list my librarian experience much anymore because it doesn't really matter for the jobs that I'm looking for, but I had a bunch of those jobs. So, you know, those are just aren't there anymore. Pick and choose what you need.
0: I love that. Um, Okay, so we had a question come in on the chat that I wanna um, address. So Carrie says, as relates to experience, I find current interview processes very demoralizing. Having many years, decades of experience adapting to multiple languages and technologies, I get Im- I get eliminated by specific coding tests after getting through most other aspects of the interview process. Do you have any thoughts on this and how to work around it? Um, they say I've pretty much stepped out of work out of the workforce as a result
1: of these experiences. Oh, I'm 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 sad to hear that because I feel like there's a place that you would be welcomed, um, but I get it. Um, I try to um, stay away from places that do, I'm gonna say performative or punitive code. Like if somebody is asking for a whiteboard exercise, I will withdraw my application because I feel like that is disrespectful. Um, I'm sorry, uh, so a repository, like if you have a place for all of your code from earlier, I just saw that question pop up. so I, I don't love, I don't love live coding exercises. I don't feel like that proves your ability um, at all. My the thing that I'm indexing for, the thing that I'm looking for when I'm hiring is can you solve problems with code? I almost don't even care what language it is. Look for places that offer you to be able to take the their code problem with whatever language or framework you're comfortable in. Because that's what matters. Like I need to see if you can reason your way through this exercise, write some code to make the things happen. I don't care what languages it is. Frankly, if you've been around long enough, you know, they're kind of all the same. They've all got some differences to them, but they all have commonalities and they all have a way that you can illustrate how you solve this problem. So find code tests that are adaptable. Find code tests, you know, ask people about their tech tests before you even start interviewing. Like you don't, you're under no obligation to perform for them. Um, I feel like whiteboard tests, all it does is show that you can write on a whiteboard and I don't care about that. It doesn't matter to me. And you know, we don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm, we're working right now and uh, my colleague Andrew is here on the call and he's gonna laugh at me. Um, we're working right now to remove the time limit from our tech assessment, because my opinion is that we don't time engineers we don't ask them to, to do that in their day-to-day work. Why would we ask them to do that when they are applying to us? So I want it to be as close to the actual work that we do as possible. And that's uh, you know a huge uh, a huge part of how we structure our tech test at, at Zapier. And we're actually undergoing, we're, we're talking about it. We talk about it all the time. Um, we're working through some, some intricacies right now and we're, we're gonna put out a better test. There's somebody who's uh, postulated maybe putting out like, um, a requirements gathering exercise. And here's the user acceptance criteria for this thing. Go, you know, build this thing to these specs. Use whatever you want. We don't care. And 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 honestly, we don't. Like if if we we have taken many of the like years of experience type things off of our job descriptions. And I go out and talk to companies and tell them to do the same things because what it matters is the qualities. It doesn't matter whether you've spent seven years coding in one specific language unless you're a mainframe programmer, cause that's a whole other thing, right? We'll just put that over here. If you're trying to get mainframe work, you probably need to have that. But beyond that, like I need to know that you can solve problems with code and that's it period. So find places that either offer, you know that want you to submit a portfolio or a reasonable tech assessment or something that you can adapt to this the things you already know. There's no need to try to shoehorn yourself into a box that doesn't fit you because that's probably not a place you're gonna wanna work anyway. I don't agree with the like well i had to do it so they have to do it too kind of uh mentality for for the it's not hazing it's we're not we're not trying to you know uh to prove your loyalty or anything like that like this is a an assessment to see if you can solve problems with code period that's all i care about and any place that values talent is going to do the same
0: yeah for sure i think you make a very good point like i had to do it so you have to do it too i mean if that were the case, like. We'd still have abacus level tests right. that people had to administer or pass. So, like, come okay. on. Yeah. Um. All right. So, um, Kendra is writing in the chat as well, saying um, she's another senior. I should. I'm assuming she. Um, another senior here with tons of experience, but not in tech except for my last job. How can I show customer service type work and experience to tech companies? So we get a lot uh, of questions about this. Like, how did how did industry and show the relevance to, you know,
1: a a shifted position or a new field? That's a, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. And that's again, where you would benefit from maybe a functional resume, but you're going to look at their job ad and see what things resonate with you and say, in this job, I did something that brought value to the company in this specific way. And I can do that for you too. So find touchstones, Use the keywords from their job ad because that will help with resume parsing as well. But look for the places that resonate with you and tell a story about those. Tell how your experience relates to those things. If you've worked in any other customer service and you're applying for like a tech support job, I love you already because you know how to relate to other humans. You have helped humans solve problems. You've made people happy. You've done things that have brought value to the company. That's, that's really the bottom line. Did you bring value to the company? How'd you do that? Great, tell me that. Um, so you can draw a direct line from any other experience into tech based on what they're asking for in that position. And again, I'm looking for qualities. So like if you can interact with other humans, that's a big plus. If you can um, you know, spend time on the phone with somebody and not get frustrated, huge plus. If you have had retail or uh, con- customer um, face-to-face experience, Big plus. Those are all things that I value greatly. And this is why I'm also pretty big on code school grads, people who've switched careers, because you bring uh, a wealth of experience, but also an energy. Like you just transformed yourself into something completely different. That's awesome. Like I want to come bring that to my team. I could use you
0: never mind the diversity that diversity of experience can be incredibly useful as well not just in Absolutely. a you're you know i know that you're resilient and and you're able to stay relevant because you've made this change it like i mean i have 5 years of of paralegal experience am i paralegal right now no and i haven't been in like like five or six years, but you know, I work for Power to Fly as a virtual events host, but I also am like part of the legal team here, reviewing contracts and making sure like the stuff that we're asked to sign or that we're asking companies like um, partners to sign works. So it's it's a weird flex and a weird skill that I generally like don't, I haven't utilized in six years, but now I am. So, you know, bringing that to the team can give you a really interesting, um, you know, angle on something or on a, you know, a problem or a code that you're writing or whatever. That would be helpful to the team. So, you know, utilize that market, you know, look at that, realize that it is very valuable and should be looked at it as such. Um, Ida is is putting in the chat, um, I didn't feel great about an interview I did. It required a lot of pre-work that they felt should have taken only four hours, but really required way more. I really felt it was not feasible with a full-time job. Um, in your experience, cause I don't know about like, you know, tech interviewing with like, t- with, uh, um, you know, tests involved and whatever, but in your experience, is that feedback that you could give to the employer or is that a way, like you said earlier, like that's something you find and then you would just walk away from the interview. You,
1: you, both of those things are valid. If you feel comfortable enough with the person that you're contact with, either the recruiter or the hiring manager, um, say, look, like I, this is, this is too much with what I have going on right now. And that's part of the reason why we're wanting to remove the limits because it was a, like a you know start here and end here in this amount of time. Whomst among us has two and a half uninterrupted hours to do literally anything at this point? So I don't like I I don't want to uh, know if you can get something done in this amount of time. I think what they're trying to do, and this is the reason why we have a time limit. And I I don't know that I hundred percent agree with it, but I can see the point of view is that they don't want people spending like two weeks prepping. And someone else have only spent four hours. Like they don't want to give an unfair advantage to somebody who does have abundant free time and feels like they can spend, you know, all month working on a project. I feel like a well-crafted uh, tech test that has a specific grading rubric and is looking for particular things, like how did you wrangle your way through this thing at scale that's more important to me. And I can see, like, as long as you have that, I don't care if you spent two hours or 25 hours, if you've got that thing, great. We can parse through the rest of it when we talk later. Cause there's always gonna be a review of your of your tech assessment. So like when you talk about your tech, when you talk through that, you can be like, yeah, I spent some extra time here cause this was the thing that interests me. Or I love writing tests or, you know I saw that this was gonna create a race condition and I decided that that was, you know a thing that I couldn't live with. So I spent some more time there. Talk about, again, tell that story. But if you feel comfortable enough with that hiring manager, be like, look, four hours was not enough time. And also like, I just don't have this in my headspace right now. Um, I actually had somebody that was like, you know, somebody rewrote their tech test based on my feedback is is all I can tell you. Like, I was like, this is too much. And it's also like they they wanted for an engineering manager, somebody to write code. And I was like, I would love to. I've been out of that part of the game for too long to do anything that's relevant right now. So like I appreciate that you've given me this opportunity, but it's, it's it would take me hours and hours and hours to get this done, and that just doesn't feel like something I can do right now. And they scrapped that whole test for managers and started off with a different one that was a narrative, and that makes sense. So like you're going to help people improve their screening and hiring, give them that feedback. You don't you don't have to just walk away, but also you don't owe them anything at that point. You can just walk away. You decide what you you were in control of how much you give of yourself to.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm seeing a ton of the the pre-submitted questions that we like, you know, kind of sifted through of, of stuff y'all submitted. Um, a lot of these are questions that we have answered on previous chats. So it's not that I, I don't think we should answer them, but I'm going to save them because we only have 15 minutes left today. So I'm going to save them for maybe like a rapid fire question round at the end. Or again, I'll share that link again where you can check out some of our past chats. Um, anything that Helen Sanchez has done are, is awesome, but there's also a bunch of panels that we've done at, at like our summits that have um, multiple viewpoints and and they're really helpful and informative. Um, so this person had asked, um, what are the age red flag phrases to avoid during an interview or on a resume? Like having adult kids, work experience longer than ten to fifteen years, etc.
1: So I uh, again, this is another question that I appreciate and I understand, but also like if you say my kid is twenty, which For some of the kids that are that age in my house um, that shouldn't be a a red flag right that's just that's that's you bringing your whole self to that interview so if there's a thing that you say that in an interview is like like maybe you just be like all right great that's it's been great talking to you and we're gonna obviously move on like there shouldn't be anything except for like I straight up like you know I don't know like I I I went nuts at my last office and and flipped over all the desks. That might not be a good thing to say during an interview. Like those are, those are kind of the outliers, but like beyond that, if it's something that's about you, that's true, it shouldn't be a red flag to them. And if it is, it's not a place you want to work.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important. I'm loving all the advice you're giving. And it's also really important on the flip side to kind of acknowledge that the ability to walk away from some jobs or to be like, that's just not the place for me. Like that is a very... It, I hate to use the word privilege because it gives people a lot of like a knee-jerk reaction, but like there are a lot of people that don't have the luxury of doing that, right? right, right and It's important right. to acknowledge that like sometimes you have to, you, you're just trying to get the job. You're just trying to make sure that you can yes. get out of the place you're in or make sure or like get to an, an employed place. Um, and so I think that it's really important to realize that, yeah, you, 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 you know, if you can't bring your full self there, you probably don't want to work there anyway. But you know, one of the other questions that we had submitted, I'll try and like see if I can navigate back to it here. Um, let's see. Yeah, this person had told, had been, um, I've been told to leave off dates on my resume, but recruiters always want a resume with them on. How do we work around that without lying? So, in in terms of kind of working within the system as it exists, even if it's not perfect, but we have to try and pass that. Sure, oh, absolutely. Yeah, what advice would you give maybe for something like this, where maybe not the flags or like the phrases are the issue, but you're trying to work around something that you can't really work around because, you know, numbers are required for, especially like ATS systems.
1: I, so yeah, so that is, that is absolutely, uh, it's very interesting to me, any recruiter that would require anything except for like to prove that you've actually worked at the place. But if you have, if you have to include dates, just give them to the recruiter. Don't put it on your general, you know, like you have two, you're going to have two to five resumes that you're working with at any given time. Have one that has dates and one that doesn't. If a recruiter requires it, ask them why, like, is it relevant for this particular position? Do you need to know that? Or do you just need to know like how much experience I've had at a thing? Like, if you don't want to include dates again, this is the same. Like I I got trapped in a, like um, a recruiter asking me how, how much I made at my current job. And I felt like I had to tell them. And then I was like, wait, why did I feel like that? Like, and there's, there are states now where they legally can't ask you that. So like that there's, there's reasons for that. But like you again are in control and, and if you have to give it to them because it's a system requirement, fine. But ask why and, and see if like, that's really a, a thing that they need to hear or are they just concerned with like how many times you've done this thing? And I do, I get it. Like the, I've taken plenty of jobs because I needed to have a job and I understand that. And it is a great privilege to be able to walk away from something, but also, you're don't make yourself miserable. If there are enough uh, signals during an interview process that this is not going to be a good place for you, um, don't sacrifice your own personal well-being. T- try try not to, if you can, if you can avoid to. Like it's 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 not going to be good for you in the long run, and I I, I would worry about you. <laughs>
0: So Susan's in the chat here and she's um, she's making a very valid point. And actually, Susan, she's saying about PowerFly requires dates in your profiles. So um, we're working on the tech behind that um, to make sure that this is, is uh, a little bit more, not a requirement, but a way to work around it currently for PowerFly as well as for, like, applicant tracking systems. So if you have to, like, you know, basically break down your entire resume and put it into little field, like, entry fields online, what especially what you can do with PowerFly is you can fill in, like, Na or like um I think it has to be digits so you can use like zero <laughs> zero zero nine 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 that is definitely something that you can do um and just to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit maybe not devil's advocate but like as somebody who went through this with on the flip side of it with like not having any experience because either I changed industries and I had no experience or I was a recent grad and didn't you know didn't have the experience that they wanted for entry level positions um there it's just as, as um, common yeah. for new grads and, and you know first time applicants to want to, to kind of dodge the, the you know the dates question because it's going to automatically imply that you don't have the experience that's relevant. And I actually did this for a lot of my of my career um, within like paralegal and stuff because people would see a female of a certain age and be like, oh, well, you're probably like close to, you know getting married, having babies, whatever. Yep. And no, that's not right. It's not legal, it sucks. But it, it helps kind of give, give you a little bit of information on the, the culture of that company um, and makes you realize that there are the idea that you get screened or you know um, unfairly uh, you know um, written off because of something—it's not necessarily unique to ageism, and it sucks that it's not, and it sucks that you have to go through it at all. But it's important to remember that there are all kinds of things that people can can you know kind of discount discount you for, right? Um, Elizabeth is in here saying is over forty or is in my case fifty too late to enter into a career in tech. What advice can you give to someone trying to reinvent themselves after a career in an unrelated field? And actually, thank you, Elizabeth. This was um, another question that was pre-submitted. So let me go to that slide. So that way everybody that's joining knows what we're answering.
1: Um, But Lisa, how would you address this question? Um, I think that's definitely a thing that you can do with good storytelling, right? So like if tech is something that you're passionate about and you wanna do, do it like lean in. It doesn't matter when you started something, literally anything. Like if you, this is a thing that you really want to do, do the thing. I want that kind of energy. I want that kind of passion. If you want to switch into tech, I kind of want to let you, I want you to be there with me. So like, I don't know that I'm going to say, you're like all the jobs in the world are open to you and maybe don't apply for something that's like senior engineer level position the first time out, but apply for jobs. I've gotten jobs where I did not necessarily meet the profile that they had listed on paper, but frequently those are ridiculous laundry lists of things that no single human could embody anyway. So if you see yourself anywhere in a job description, apply for it. What's the worst that happens? They say no, or they, they ghost you, which, you know, is an unfortunate, uh, circumstance of our technology that where we are now, but like transition by, if you're going to do a boot camp, find one that suits you full-time or part-time. If you're going to do self-taught stuff, find some really good reputable places to do that. Don't just find any website that describes it and, and lean in there, take classes from a place. It's probably not going to be free, but it's, you can find it for low cost or subsidized too. Also, there's plenty of places that, that offer returnships. And while that might not be you, you might not be returning to tech. It's kind of the same thing. You're entering the tech after having been in another job or having been like absent from the field for a time. And they bring those in. There's companies like Blue Cross Blue Shield does it, IBM does it. There's a bunch of places. Look for like sometimes bigger companies have that because they can sponsor it. Look for a place that has like a, a, a code school that has a partnership with a business because that's a like a ready-made pathway. So there's a bunch of ways to come at it, and I, I I'm hesitant to like lean in too hard because it's it's sort of particular to you know like you gotta figure out what works for you. But there are definitely like look at return to work type situations because that's that's working. You know you're not coming back to tech, but you're coming to tech new after um, you know something else, and it's kind of the same uh, situation from a um, you know a, an actual perspective. It's not like identical, but it, it will give you the same sort of indication of like how receptive they are to taking people who have changed jobs. Plus, also, whatever the other field is, you're going to lean into that experience and say how it's relevant to what you want to do. Like, if you were, say, in medicine for a really long time and you saw how technology was being used and you saw a place where that made you passionate, you'd be like, hey, I'm doing this because I saw the other side of it and I want to fix this problem or I want to work on the thing that makes this better. Or, I want to work, I have a great idea because I've been out in this field for such a long time and I wanna make this happen. Those are really powerful stories.
0: Yeah, and I think that you know, that, that brings up a really great point um, that Roz was talking about. We have our, our virtual summit, our mini summit for March is happening next month. Um, it's from the 9th to the 12th and it's entirely about return to work. And some of it is you know, women who've taken a break to have kids and raise families Some of it is people that have had breaks because of COVID or breaks because of FMLA and needing to care, you know, be a caregiver for a family member. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important to to understand that return to work is not just for one specific age group. You know, it's something that that applies whether you are returning into the same field you left or, you know, returning to the workforce in whatever capacity. Um, Dodie is also making a very good point that LinkedIn offers great classes. And I love how Lisa, you know, you called out that like, just because it costs money doesn't necessarily make it a reputable or valid program, but you, in certain respects, you do get what you pay for. Now, if you can check out, you know, um, I know Khan Academy has a ton of free things you can look at. There's a lot of free resources that might be a good idea to like get your feet wet or kind of, you know, dip a toe into a, you know, a specific area to see like, is this something you're really interested in or that you would enjoy learning about? But you know, there's also a ton of places that you know you can check out reviews of various boot camps. You can um, you can ask like at job like the job fairs that we host. You can absolutely ask like, hey, do you consider this specific boot camp relevant experience, or
1: you know, do you lean more hard, you know, more on this kind of boot camp setting? And and if you are, um, uh, it, you can find resources that are free or close to free or subsidized, or you know that they have some sort of um, you know, uh, application process that includes, you know, need-based so that you don't have to pay for it. But also like, look at things like your local public library. Frequently your library card gets you access to like Udemy or Treehouse, which is great. Um, Look at, if you have a community college near you, take one class because a one class at a community college is a fairly reasonable sum of money. And you can see whether it's a thing you like to do. I used to teach for Girl Develop It and I had lots of people in my introductory HTML class that that was real. That's why they were there. They were thinking about a boot camp, and you know they came and hung out with me for seventy-five bucks for a couple of weeks, and they got to see whether or not it was a thing they even liked. So, you know, look for those kind of opportunities. They are everywhere, but they, they're not always obvious.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we only have three minutes left in today's session. These times, the time always goes way too quickly. Um, before we close out for today, I just want to um, you know kind of touch back on the fact that Zapier is hiring. So do you feel comfortable talking about some of the positions that you're looking for um, or, or, and, or do you have any tips for someone who is interested in applying?
1: Absolutely. So uh, we're literally looking for everything. We're looking to, to grow um, a ton this year. So, you know, um, we have, great uh, customer champion uh, roles that sometimes are weekend-based if you need a non-traditional schedule. Um, we do hire from literally all over the globe. So, so that's like, you know, no matter where you are, we're, we're probably gonna look at you. Um, my favorite part of working at Zapier are the humans that I get to spend my time with. They're wonderful and thoughtful and smart and funny. And uh, we, It's just a, it's a great culture of inclusivity that I really appreciate. Um, and tips for applying. Um, have that story ready. We don't ask for it. We don't have a traditional uh, application process. There's going to be a bunch of essay questions. Um, and frequently I'm asked, like, how long should I, you know, how long should my answer be? And I have a Weasley answer long enough. Like, say what you need to say. Don't spend a ton of words. But, you know, we're going to be looking for how you express yourself uh, in the written word, because frequently, like if you're a customer champion, you have to communicate all by email, frankly, you're, you know, be using a lot of words. So use your words wisely and, and, uh, judiciously and, uh, you know, uh, be prepared to tell the story. Cause that's, that's the kind of thing we want to hear. I think
0: that's a really good thing to talk, to touch on. And like, it, sometimes the answers are a little bit Weasley, you know, it kind of, it depends sort of thing, right. but it, it really harkens back to what you'd said previously about, you know, about your, your, um, your resume and how to like phrase some of these things, like, you're you're you want to front load it. You want to make it obvious to people like what what you're looking for and why you would be a good fit for this. But think of it less as like a even like a dust jacket on a book. It's it's more about like the the teaser, right? You can you can give information, but also make it interesting to the point that like oh I want to know more. I want to talk to this person and find out why they were, how they were able to do this or you know why this would is something that we we really need. Um, so, you know, it's it's okay. You don't want to like be too secretive, obviously. You want them to understand what they're getting with you or, or know that you are somebody that they should learn more about, but you also don't want to like, you know, pour out an eight-page novel and realize that like they're not going to parse through all that. All right, so um, thank you so much. I know we are at time today, um, but Lisa, it, Seriously, like really, really, really glad I got to spend the afternoon learning from you. Um, it thank was you. really, really amazing. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your day to you know prepare for this. I know it's not just an hour-long commitment um, as well as, as spend time with our community. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great fun. Anytime. Um, I threw a bunch of links in the chat, so like where you can go to um, check out Zapier's job listings. I saw Andrew also put in a link to Zapier's um, own website. Absolutely check those out. I know that probably not every single Zapier job will be on power to fly but if you do apply via power to fly it's great to know that um, there is a case manager um, associated with every one of our client companies, and their whole job is to follow up on, um, you know, things like the application process for our PowerFly community members. So please take advantage of that if you can, um, because it's definitely it definitely helps. Um, the other like links that I put in here, so like where you can check out the Zapier Teams um, page, uh, if you're interested in chats on ageism or senior work experiences, there's a, a search there that you can start with. There's also a couple of links where you can connect with Lisa on LinkedIn if you'd like, as well as um, a link to our upcoming virtual events including our Diversity Reboot Virtual Summit. Like we said, it's gonna be about return to work. That's happening March 9th through the 12th and you can register for free at the link that I provided. Um, We are out of time for today, so I am gonna close us down but I will leave that that chat window with the links up for a couple minutes in case y'all wanna grab those. Um, Thank you so much to all of our wonderful participants. The questions submitted previous to today, like prior, as well as during today's session were amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I hope to see many more of you on upcoming chats in the future and I hope you have a happy Wednesday and rest of the week. Bye guys.